This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Each your inside pass to everything Saints football. Jimmy Graham brings it down, and that is a touchdown, New Orleans! We'll take you to places most fans never go. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown! Taysom Hill! Taysom TD! Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby! Welcome Inside Black and Gold. Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak. A 2 and O edition. Man, the NFC South 2, the Saints needing to keep up with a division that suddenly uh, looks pretty impressive through the first two weeks at least. Yeah, there might be some imposters in that bunch. Uh, two and O, two and O, two and O, O and two. But you know, all off season, I heard about how the NFC South was a dumpster fire, and so far, the NFC South is four and O against non NFC South teams. The only two losses in the division are from the Panthers to other NFC South teams. So hey, you know, I I was told that none of these teams were going to win eight games this year so you know you're already a quarter of the way there two weeks into the season teams like the Bengals and the Chargers are 0-2 and and the the Bengals look like they're in serious trouble with Joe Burrow yeah I mean yeah they're not tanking for Caleb but you know I I thought the Giants might be after at halftime against the Cardinals down 20 to nothing (laughs) they figure it out they come back and win I think the Cardinals might be doing a little little tank job there um, but we'll find out in the next few weeks. Uh, but yeah, the Bucs 2-0, like even, you know, even with the teams they've played, which obviously have not been remarkable, the Vikings are 0-2, the Bears are really disappointing with Justin Fields, who looks like he's completely gone backwards. But, you know, that, that, that division, and yes, so the Saints 2-0. It's the first time they have started 2-0 in a decade. Think about that. That's crazy. 
I was, uh, I'm going to date myself. I was a senior in high school. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was, I think I, no, in 2013. No, no, 93. No. Oh, I'm That's, thinking about the defense. What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm thinking about the defense and the 20 points. Yeah, you, you might not realize this. Steve just, just Steve's just a really old, like, 30, 28-year-old kid. I, I got different stats going through the head. It was the wrong one. Yeah, 2013, not, not 1993. But, yeah, I think the stat you're referring to is they've held opponents to 20 points or under for 10 straight games which which is the record going back to the dome patrol in 1993 but all right let's just just tell you what we're going to do in this podcast obviously it's kind of the post-game podcast even though we're a day late that's what it's going to be for these later you know road games we can't get that live chat after the game but so we're going to go through the the my three up three down which is again going to be mostly like six up and four down but we'll we'll get we'll get through that that's going to be the first segment is the the up second segment is the down and the final segment we're going to get into the mailbag but you know i mean first things first this team and you look at this team and like what's different about it right the offense is still struggling the offensive line is is still trying to figure out its protection issues that that we saw last year uh trevor penning i think improved but he's still got a ways to go the interior offensive line looks like it's really struggling but somehow this team is two and oh right somehow you found a way to get there and i think you know when you look at this team to me the biggest difference is is kind of intangible, but when you watch these games, you can see it because last year it felt like all we were talking about after every game was, oh man, if they only had made this catch, if they only had not had this dumb play in this big moment, if only Mark Ingram had run two, two yards further downfield, right? If only you didn't have three guys have balls bounce off their helmets in big moments that could have changed the game. And this year, it seems like, you know, you might have some mistakes. Obviously, the Derek Carr interceptions in both the first halves of these games were both ugly, and he takes it on the chin for those. He's, I think this time he said, I'm an, I was an idiot. You know, I, did, I read it wrong. I didn't, I didn't, you know, it was trying to make a hero throw. But when it comes down to it, when the game gets tight and you need the offense to go make a play, they've done it both weeks. They've found ways to win rather than finding ways to lose. And I asked Dennis Allen about that, and I thought his answer was uh, was pretty good. You had the offense kind of go out and have that kind of killer instinct late in the game, not just win a game, but close the game. Yeah, it's awesome, isn't it? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, just awesome how we were able to do that in um, two weeks in a row. Um, you know, obviously, I don't feel like we should let it get to that point. Um, you know, but... Um, and look, I thought our offense, you know, they kicked the field goal there, um, you know, in the... Uh, was the third or fourth quarter, and, and the offense responds right back and goes down with a score of their own, you know. So um, that's kind of the way this team's built, and there's some ebb and flow to the game. And, um, you know, when, when defensively, uh, when the defense needs picked up, the offense has been there to, you know, to, to take over, and, and, and certainly the defense has done its part to help the offense. They didn't even let me finish my question. Um, and so, you know, as a defensive play caller, when you – when you have an offense that's going to go out there and and not only execute, but execute in a way that's going to slam the door on a game. Both of these games, the offense found a way to make it so the defense didn't even have to go back on the field with any real pressure. You know, in, the, in week one, they salted away the clock. They're, the Titans never even got the ball back in a one-point game. This week, the Panthers got the ball back. Instead of being down one score, they were down four. four? Three, they were down three when the Saints got the ball back. Then they hand it back with about two minutes left 
with a 10-point lead, even with the defense kind of getting soft and allowing that first touchdown of the season, you know, it was over. I mean, it was an onside kick, which is a very low percentage play, and the Saints recovered it. And so the defense, the offense made sure the defense never really had to sweat. And that is, you know, something I just don't think we have seen from this Saints team in a, in a couple of years now. You know Dennis had to be stewing about giving up that touchdown at the end of the game. (laughs) I mean, yeah, they they had really – this defense has looked damn impressive to start the year. I know they're not facing any juggernaut kind of offenses right off the bat, but what they've been doing is impressive. The stat now of, you know, we we talked about it a little bit in the beginning there. Holding teams to under 20 points nowadays, that just doesn't – it doesn't happen very often in today's NFL. Ten consecutive games uh, that they have done it. That touchdown at the end, it was just, you know, the defense kind of – I felt like they got a little complacent. Um, But, yeah, I mean, this defense is in midseason form. And you've seen some mistakes here or there, but the pass rush erases so much of that. Um, Derek Carr's interception, the pass rush was able to to make it a non-factor because Carl Granderson forced that fumble. But, no, so, you know, you talk about the offense. One of the reasons this game felt – a lot easier than it was in the second half was, you know, Jamal Williams went down. This is my first stock up player that I'll mention. Jamal Williams goes down. The only tailback, now tailback specifically, you have on the active roster is Tony Jones Jr., a guy who has been in the league for four years, has been on three different rosters. He got, he got signed off the Saints practice squad by the Seahawks last year. He spent the offseason with the Broncos, got cut, and the Saints brought him back. And they had that much confidence in him that they were they were willing to have him be a practice squad elevation, knowing Kendra Miller was not going to be active. And he was the only other guy. And Jamal Williams went out with that hamstring injury. It didn't look good. I, I would be very surprised to see him back this week. And so I think you're going to see a lot more of Tony Jones. And while he didn't have a huge day, right, it was tough sledding. The Panthers' defensive line is very good. I think he had 12 carries for 34 yards. Those two touchdown runs, you know, you take them for granted, these short touchdown runs. But if you don't get in on first down, things get a lot more complicated. If you lose two, three yards on that first down and suddenly you have to figure something out, you end up kicking a field goal. That's a huge play for the defense. And not only did he score those touchdowns, he got it done on first down both times. Those were his first two career touchdowns. He says he kept both balls. One was for his, his wife. They got married recently. She's pregnant, so she wasn't there. But her name is Rebecca. She's getting that first ball. That second one was for him. He's keeping that one, too. He kept both balls. And it's like we've watched Tony, uh, you know, come up as a UDFA, f- fight his way onto the roster, get some opportunities, but not really. Eventually ended up on the practice squad and didn't really get any chances out in Seattle, didn't get a chance out in Denver, even though he's kind of looked solid everywhere he's been. So for me, it's like I, my stock is up on him in general, just in terms of he was called upon and delivered. But more so than that, it's just good for him. Like, that's an awesome thing for him after four years of just toiling in the NFL, just waiting for a chance. He got his chance and he delivered. I thought that was really cool. I just hope there's no scenario now in some weird kind of way we end up losing him like what happened with Latavius Murray last year. You know, uh, uh, I guess the Saints ended up putting, what, Murray back on the practice squad? Well, Murray was always on the practice squad. So 
Yes. So it, it, here's the thing. You know, I was asked by uh, one person why the Saints don't just sign somebody to that open roster spot. They have an open roster spot. But one of the reasons you don't do that is Alvin's coming back next week. After the week three game, he gets added back to the roster. And so that fills that spot. So if you sign Tony, for example, to the active roster right now, you would have to cut him or somebody else. And I imagine it would be him because you're going to end up with Jamal Williams, Kendra Miller, Tony Jones Jr., and a fullback. There's just too many bodies. You have to lose one. And so if you were to do that, he would be exposed to waivers because he is not technically a vested veteran yet. And then if someone were to claim him, he would have to go there. Now, the difference when you poach someone off the practice squad is they have to agree to that deal. It's not waivers where you get claimed and you have to show up. So to me, I think that the difference is if someone came in and said, we want to sign you off the practice squad, they would sign Tony Jones to the active roster. Right now, it just doesn't make sense to do that because you would end up having to cut him. And I also think, you know, from what Tony said, he wants to be here. Like, there's a reason that he came back. Joel Thomas called him up and he was like, yeah, let's do it. Like, I'm coming back. I don't care if I'm on the practice squad. I don't care if I'm on the 53. He likes it here. This is this was his home for, you know, two, three years. So I don't think that, you know, if he he, he would get got a call by somebody else that he would turn it down. He would turn down the Saints. Like if the Browns called him up and like, oh, you want to be our fourth string running back? I don't think that that would be enough to sway him. So I, I don't think you lose him, but you know, there's a chance. I mean, he did look good. So there, there's obviously a chance. And if he finds a better opportunity, because that's what it was with Latavius. It wasn't about whether the Saints wanted to sign him or not. It was he saw more opportunity with the Broncos than he did backing up Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara here. So, I mean, that's kind of the, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, right Right now, the Saints are definitely hurting because we don't know what's like you mentioned with Jamal Williams. I don't really see him being back in time for this week. Who knows what's up with Miller time still? You know, the the Rook still sounds like he's going to be ready next week. So we'll see. I I definitely hope so. And then uh, uh, then after obviously the the pack in week three, we finally get Alvin back. So I guess things are looking at least. It looks a little more positive, you could say, right there, running back. But right now, it's, it seems very dark. You got to get through one more week, however you can. Now, do you sign a veteran? I, I don't think you do. I think because you would end up having to, you know, coach him up. Maybe maybe Daryl Williams is still around. You could bring him back. Maybe call up Jordan Mims. He's been here for a couple weeks, just kind of hanging out. But it's definitely going to be a question because these are a lot of unproven guys, right? Like right now, Tony Jones Jr. is your most veteran player at that position. And obviously, you're going to see a big role for Taysom Hill too, which is what you saw in this game. But yeah, it's that's that's the big question. But you know, there is reinforcements on the way. That's the thing. It's like if you, you're not in the situation the Browns are where you're not getting Nick Chubb back, you got to find something, which man, that injury was brutal. But yeah, the Saints, they got to figure something out. And, uh, and, and I think they will. I think you're going to end up seeing a lot of Tony Jones because uh, I think he, he endeared himself to the Saints in a lot of ways. And I would imagine... Even if, you know, Kendra Miller's back, able to come back this week, how how much involvement, you know, would he really have or do they trust him with, you know, right off the bat? No, it's a good question. Right. And that's why Jamal having Jamal was was really helpful. And, you know, I, I watched him on the sideline. He was in the injury tent for a while. Took, I mean, and that's not a great sign. He came out, tested that leg. He did like a little sprint down the sideline, immediately just turned around, shook his head, walked back in the tent, did not look happy. So, I don't, you know, I don't think he tore anything. I think if you had torn something, 
it would be a little more obvious. You wouldn't have, they wouldn't have even given you that opportunity to potentially, you know, run through it. But yeah, I mean, it's a strain of some kind. Yeah. And hamstrings are tough to begin with. So, you know, I, even if he does make a really fast turnaround and come back, you have to plan for him not to be there. Right. Like you can't plan on him being available. So let's move on. The next guy that I have as my stock up is Chris Olave. You know, we talked all off season about Okay, can he get better in contested catches? He got a little stronger. He bulked up a little bit, you know, and and that catch down the sideline, I think it was for 42 yards. That's like the exact play he didn't make last year. He made a lot of really nice catches. He got open a lot. He's a great route runner. He also gave me a heart attack, though. Right, yeah, well, we can talk about that. Um, But, you know, there was just those moments where it was like, oh, Chris Olave had a chance to go up and make a spectacular catch, change this game right now. And last year, he didn't do it. Last year, it ended up on the ground, right? Like, he he didn't complete the process of the catch it ended up you know and and this year that's the type of play he's able to make and so i think from a progression standpoint you have to be incredibly happy with with how he has come but yes as you mentioned there was that little uh you know out of body experience there for a second i'm like screaming at the television and bobby's like you know i'm watching it in the sports office with bobby and he's like i think he was down he, he's all right and then i was like i don't think he was touched at best it was close <laughs> right and then he's you know spins the ball and then luckily the the panther defender goes after the ball and it kind of squirts out of bounds well thankfully he didn't spin the ball because if he spun the ball it would have stayed where it was he spiked it which is what allowed it to get out of bounds but yeah, I mean, like he may have been touched. I never really got a good look at it because he didn't have to because it was never really a question. Um, but I mean, that was way too close. Like you'll see guys get touched, obviously, and still pop up and run because they just weren't sure. He That was way too close to do what he did. And if that play ended with a spike and a fumble, a turnover, man, that would have been, you know, one of those examples of, I find a way to lose again, huh? Um, but thankfully it didn't burn them. They got lucky. Uh, and yeah, but either way, I like it was such an incredible catch that I'm willing to look past that. Yes, I agree. Like yeah. you mentioned before, th- this year, we're seeing already, luckily, the positive momentum, the arrow, the outcome ends up being for the Saints because the, the ball's bouncing the right way. There you go. Right. Because last year that did not happen at nope. all. And nope. I'll, I'll nope. definitely take that kind of luck or whatever you want to call it right now, because, yeah, the ball is bouncing their way currently. I agree. So let's get through a couple more of these. Uh, the defensive line. Last week, I gave it to the secondary because I couldn't single anyone out. This week, I give it to the defensive line because, you know, it seems like everyone is making a play every week. Carl Granderson had a sack. Nathan Shepard, I thought, had a fantastic game. Carl Granderson forced that fumble. Cam Jordan got a sack fumble, and it got negated by a, pen- a really dumb penalty by Paulson Adebo. Um, but I still give Cam credit for that. It's not his fault. You know, Brian Brzee recovered it. They're just making plays, and they're making life miserable on Bryce Young. And, you know, we talked prior to the game about how I thought the game plan going in was going to be you stuff the run, you stop the run, and you rush with four, and you force Bryce Young to beat you with his arm. And that's what Dennis Allen said after the game. That was the plan, you know, and he was not able to do it. And, you know, the defensive line, if you are, you knew the secondary was going to be able to cover, but even the best secondary in the world, if the guy has all day to sit back there and throw and pick you apart, he's going to pick you apart. You can only cover for so long, but in, in, when you have the pass rush and you can generate pressure with four guys and you can drop seven into coverage, you got to really, really work 
to find holes and he Bryce Young was unable to do it and so you know that defensive line that was one of my big questions going into camp is that is that rebuilt defensive line going to be able to get the job done and so far through two weeks man they look better than able to get the job done they look like they're a weapon yeah you know going into the season even with the additions you were like is it an upgrade for last from last year I'm not even sure right now we're gonna have to wait and see and yeah it it's definitely looking legit right now up front. And I, I agree totally. Nathan Shepard, really impressive just being a, a wrecking ball out there. Uh, tackles for loss, you know, getting hits on the quarterback. Y- you love to see that kind of pressure from the middle because that was not present last year. And man, Carl Granderson, you know, we can't keep saying enough of him, which is one of those training camp things we'd see at practice, writing in our notes or whatever. And at least that wasn't. A mirage that was really it wasn't translated so far into the regular season right now i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week you're here in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal making across sports media and entertainment that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Makes me feel a little better about Trevor Penning. <laughs> right. Because at least no other left tackle has been able to really stop Carl Granderson either. And again, you know, we talked about the defense, the offensive line, and I mean, they're going to be in my three down segment. But I thought... You know, relatively speaking, I thought Trevor actually did take a a decent step forward today. He still got beat a couple times. He's still learning. There's going to be moments, but I thought he took a step forward. He's not in my three up, but I think when I go through the film, which I haven't got a chance to yet, obviously, because it's, you know, we're not even 24 hours removed from the game. I think there's going to be a lot more positive things we can spot on the tape than we did a week ago. And so that's all you can hope for with a guy like that. Let's move on to the honorable mentions. The first one, again, I, you know, the, the one of these weeks, the offense is not going to have this many big plays that I can fit him into the three up, but he's in the honorable mention again. It's Rashid Shahid, the closer, the man in the big moments. And last week he ran by, you know, a Titans defender and it was like, yeah, okay. He just didn't expect him to run a go. This week he ran by Dante Jackson on a, on a double move. Dante Jackson, one of the fastest corner, maybe the fastest corner in the NFL. Like we know him from LSU. He's a, he's an Olympic class sprinter. Rashid just ran by him and I, and Derek Carr kind of talked about that a little bit. So here's that. I mean, I wasn't Mike, so unless he was or somebody around us, uh, Nobody was my yeah they got they they be hiding microphones everywhere. Uh, I, we talked about some things, but I don't think there'll be any videos. What did you say? Would you was it kind of a similar type of deal on that one? Was, it, was that a double move? I saw you pump on that. Yeah, it was a double move. Yeah, they had a uh, they had been they had been playing aggressive, and you know Pete took his time with that shot. You know he knew that we had a few other completions that he liked, and we were able to hit those, and then that one just presented itself. Um, you know, in that moment. And again, he's so fast, man. I, I ripped that thing and he just tracked it down like it was nothing, you know, and it's unbelievable, unbelievable football player. Cause y'all saw last week, just the speed, right? The go route today. He runs the double move. I've been saying he can run the routes, you know, man, he's a good receiver. Um, but you know, the, that, that threat to run by, especially a fast corner, one of the fastest corners in our league, he's a really good player. It says a lot about Rashid and, um, you know, having that weapon is awesome for our offense and for me. Yeah, one thing you mentioned there that I think is worth you know calling out is yeah I think Pete yeah, there's you could you kind of get this idea is like wow they could go deep every play well 
No, like you, you want to set that play up, right? And that's what they did. And so they, they pulled it out in a big moment when they really needed it. And it's because they had set Dante Jackson up. They got him biting on these moves, on these initial like kind of comebacks. And then when they ran the double move, wide open and you know Derek obviously as he mentioned he's he slung that thing and you get to he crow hopped into it he gunned it out there and she just found it you know and that's for a guy who came up on the practice squad last year we keep kind of wondering when he's going to reach his ceiling like what is his ceiling I, I don't know what it is it just keeps getting higher and higher um you know he's a guy he's caught nine of ten targets this year I think in his career he has caught 37 of 48 targets. He's got like an 85% catch rate for a guy who goes out there and and makes these he's running low percentage routes. These are deep balls are low percentage balls. That's why you don't see a ton of them anymore cuz everyone's trying to complete 70% of their passes and throw the ball close to the line of scrimmage and meanwhile you got Rashid having a 90% catch rate 20 yards down the field. The stock just keeps climbing for him and I you know I keep waiting for it to level off. It has not yet. I mean, we have Dame time from Weber State. What are we going to get from Shahid? Because, yeah, he really is electric with the ball. I know that's an an overused term, too. But, man, I I always felt that way. Like with Kamara, you you, you have that chance with that when he's got that ball in his hand to make a move and just dust somebody and be gone. And you mentioned, too, it's like we haven't really seen a ceiling for Shahid yet, which is even more exciting to see how more that – he gets incorporated into this offense, and I, I don't know. I, I, it's really tough, I guess, for return men nowadays to get anything going um, with the rules and how they are. But, you know, when, when's the last time we – I'm trying to think of like a kick return, but there, there was probably one this week that I missed. I don't even know. He had one uh, that got stopped short of the 25. At a certain point, you just stop returning the ball because it's not even worth it. Um, yeah. But, you know, like he's going to break one of these kicks one of these weeks, right? Like you can see it's there. It's just a matter of, you know, finding that lane. And he's going to break some long touchdowns. Like we've we've seen the 40-yard completions on the spots, but we have not seen the 80-yard touchdowns that I, I'm sure are coming. And all it's going to take – you just need that protection to hold up. And that's what's been limiting them so far. But you've seen late in the game they've been able to figure it out. And that's a, I think that's a credit to Pete Carmichael in terms of you know making adjustments throughout the game and seeing what the defense is trying to do and the offensive linemen getting more comfortable as they go. Um, so yeah, I mean like this offense doesn't isn't good right now. That's the thing. They're two and zero, and I would say this offense has given you C performances through two weeks, both weeks. I would grade it at a C. But you know then that grade was probably a D until the fourth quarter when they came and closed it out. And that, and that's bringing it up, but you know that's going to get better, you know. And so you're waiting. Two other guys we can hit. Obviously, we talked about Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill is just Taysom Hill. He's that dude. I mean, people still out there with these terrible Taysom Hill takes. He's a guy who does everything. I think he had 83 yards on like nine touches. He's a running back when you need a running back. He's a receiver when you need a receiver. He's a quarterback when you need a quarterback. He plays special teams. I mean, <laughs> he's like the ultimate fake punt guy. If you ever need to run a fake punt, there is no reason that anyone should be like, wow, Taysom Hill is limiting them in any way. Taysom Hill is a weapon that any team would be thrilled to have. And yeah, I mean, he's just doing his thing. I wanted Taysom, the quarterback, this game, a little change of pace because it wasn't pretty for Derek Carr in this game. I just thought that added Taysom element was a huge obvious bonus for this team. They never stopped it. 
No, right. It was like you knew it was coming and boom, there he just keeps doing it. Yeah, there's always a point where it's like at a certain you're just like, okay, I'll just keep running Taysom Hill until they prove that they have any answer. And you got four through four quarters of that game and they never found an answer. I mean, every time he took the ball, it seemed like he was gashing four, five, eight yards. You know, he never broke any I huge think it was plays. one negative one carry. I think that was it. Yeah, and it was like a toss. It was weird. But yeah, anytime it was like a QB power got it done he never broke any of those long plays but it seemed like every every time he touched it it was a chunk and for when you're struggling to run the ball the way the saints have these first two weeks that's helpful and at halftime i was tweeting up a storm because i was sitting there w- waiting for the stupid halftime show to end feels like carolina you know that whole nonsense that was horrible i might cut that out oh but so people were like how do we solve how does the offense get better and i was like you have to run the ball you cannot just stop running the ball because jamal williams is out you have to run the ball and I'm glad that the Saints agreed with me because it did seem like they came out in the second half with that first drive notwithstanding because they got pinned deep. And they just, they stuck to the run. You know, they gave Tony Jones opportunities. He delivered. They gave Taysom Hill opportunities. He delivered. And everything got easier after they established the run a little bit. And I just think that's going to be the key for the Saints team is the offensive line isn't great. They might have a, t- a bottom 10 offensive line and that's disappointing. Hopefully they can get better. But when you, if you want to help your offensive line be better, you cannot allow opposing teams, especially these really good pass rush teams, to tee off because they know you're passing every down. You have to keep them honest. You have to run some screens. That's something we have not seen yet is screens in any capacity. And so, yeah, that, that's, that was big to me. The last guy I want to hit, and you know, he's a guy who feels like he's fly, flying under the radar, which as long as he's around flying under the radar, I'm okay with it, is Mike Thomas. I thought Mike Thomas had a great game. He ended up with six, seven catches for like 50-something yards. He's doing Mike Thomas things. He had that really nice catch on the sideline. He's physical. He can make catches in traffic. He's kind of been ho-hum these first two weeks. He hasn't had that monster game yet. But, you know, the, even the pace he's at, if he plays all 17 games at this pace, he would be on track for 100 catches, 1,000 yards. I'll, I'll take Mike right now. I think it was, what, six, seven catches each game now. Six catches week one, seven catches week two. Uh, no, five catches. Five catches for 61 week one, seven catches for like 55 week two. And that's, to me, that's that's money. That range, like between five to eight catches, between 50 to 80 yards. Obviously, you'll have games above that. But, you know, like if that's your average, then that is perfect. You know, that's what you need is a, a chain mover because you have these weapons on the outside. You have these guys who can change games over the top. You need a guy who can go in traffic and just fight for a catch. And there's no one better at that. Uh, he had one catch. I think the first catch, the ball was thrown behind him. And I was like, oh man, that's an interception. And he just goes out. Just he has just His hands are insane. And he just plucks it out of the air. Like, yeah, okay, that's where it was supposed to be. I got it, don't worry. And so, yeah, I mean, he last year, he his foot gave up on him up on that crappy turf up in uh, Carolina. And so he got out of there without it. Uh, so that's, uh, you know, with, with no injury, um, hopefully that continues. Because I just I enjoy seeing Mike. I think Mike being out in the field just gives this team so much confidence. And man, he's just that guy, you know, when it's that third and long or, you know, like a third and six, Mike's going to come up with a first down for you. you. You know that reliable presence he has in the strong hands, exactly what you were just talking about before, too. He, he comes through for you, and I'm just happy to see him getting, you know, his due. Everybody was worried about what's this guy going to be like after missing, you know, most of the last three years of football. And hopefully, fingers crossed, this dude can stay on track and, and healthy because that's the only thing that's limiting him. The skill is obviously still there. 
Well, and, and you, like you mentioned, like the third and six, whatever, you know, he draws so much attention, right? And so, you know, you see them be able to go over the top to Rashid Shahid because he's in one-on-one coverage. They, ha- they have no choice. They have to single him up. And it's because, you know, you know that if they want to, they can go down to Mike the, and they can throw it to him in a, in a phone booth and he'll find a way to make that catch. And, you know, it just makes life so much easier and everybody else. So, you know, this was, we had these conversations last year. We we're talking about Jarvis and Mike and Olave and the issue is they went out to Carolina and they came back and both those guys, Jarvis and Mike, their, their legs, their feet fell off their legs. And so, yeah, I mean, the health is on their side right now. Knock on wood. They did lose Jamal. Hopefully we'll, we'll find out more about that on uh, the next few days. First injury reports coming out on Wednesday, but that's, that's it for my stock up. And, you know, I, as long as there's six players that are worthy of talking about stock up. There are guys I didn't mention that probably could be, you know, uh, that, that, that means the offense is doing it. That means this team is doing its job and finding ways to win. And uh, I, I mean, I'm, I, I've really enjoyed these games have been ugly, but they've been a lot of fun. It's a lot, fun, a lot more fun when you win these types of ugly games. A little shout out to Blake Groupie. It wasn't anything difficult with his kicks, but still perfect on the air. Keep keep doing it. Yeah, I mean, just keeps getting the job done. And uh, shout out to, to Bobby Hebert, who called the score of this game. Yes, he did number. nail it. <laughs> and then in his post game, he said, I didn't know how it was going to go. Like he predicted the score. You clearly had some indicator anyway, because I know even you said it. I was listening. I listened to the rant and he was like, I didn't know I was going to go. I was like, what are you talking about? You predicted the, the final score. Um, you had it down to the T. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I'm in a, I'm in a pick'em's pool for, uh, you know, this kind of website that they asked me to do. I went four and one this week. Saints got it for me, two and a half. Um, the the Rams had the weirdest cover in the world. They decided to kick a field goal to go down seven as time expired. The line was seven and a half, covered that. The only one I didn't get, I took the Giants minus five and a half, thinking they're going to bounce back, and they did. The second half of that game, they completely dominated and won, but I lost that bet because it was minus five and a half. But I went four and one. I picked five games per week. I went four and one, so I'm proud of that. Betting with Jeff. Yeah. The next podcast. Yeah, I think I also got the Chiefs and I got the Titans because I had a feeling the Titans, you know, I watched, we watched the Titans last week. I didn't think the Titans were, they were, they were big underdogs at home. And I was like, I, I think the Titans are a better team than they're getting credit for. I think people were down on the Titans this week because they lost to the Saints and everyone went in down on the Saints. I'm like, well, if they can't beat the Saints, how are they going to beat the Chargers? And then they went and they went and beat the Chargers. So, I mean, I think that's, you know, if you're, if you're a fan of the transitive property, is Staley already on the hot seat over there? They should. I mean, they must. Sean Payton should be the coach of the Chargers. I mean, it's so. Yeah, it, oh, my God. That both both of them are. You know, it's like that meme where the, the guy's walking and he's looking at the like the girl that looks the same as his girlfriend. You know, they're both 0-2. Uh, and you saw that game ended. The Broncos game with the insane Hail Mary and then and then the failed two-point conversion on the P.I. that wasn't called. To me, is that Sean Payton effect of the no call there at the end. I'm glad oh, I don't have that anymore. It just it, it, it feels like all of the negative vibes from that have kind of like been exercised, like the demon of like, that's how the Saints would have lost the game. Uh, anyway. Right. A Hail Mary at the end and you just need the two-point conversion. Oh, and you get pass interference, no call. Yeah. Anyway, uh, this segment has drawn on forever. So let's close it out there. Uh, we're going to come back. We're going to talk some negatives. You're going to talk to the guys that did disappoint me this week. You know, we've already talked about a couple of them, uh, but we will we'll get into it. This is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. We're talking about Saints 20, Panthers 17, Saints 2-0 for the first time since 
2013. That is quite a while ago. Steve thinks he was in high school. That's how long ago it was. Um, but he wasn't. That's he's he's actually gone senile. In I, these yeah, last I definitely years. gone senile. I got dome patrol stats on my brain. I don't know what happened but, there. Anyway, uh, this is Inside Black and Gold again. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do that. We enjoy bringing this to you. Give us a rating. Give us a review. Let us know what you think. Let us know what you'd like to see. Schedule's been going to be a bit wonky this week, but we'll get back to it. Stick around. We're going to go through the three down, which is actually five down because I can't help myself. I have to take more than three. So keep it locked for that. 